I'm going to ask a question. Uh, I just made up the answer. <laughs> but I'm asking it to ask you to focus on, on something. What is it that, uh, according to the demonstration, that uh, the one who was known as Siddhartha Gautama, or later on became known as uh, uh, Buddha Shakyamuni, what is it, according to what he demonstrated, what is it that allowed him to reach enlightenment? I mean, you can give many answers, but uh, I'm looking for just one. <laughs> Bodhicitta. Okay, good. You mean the ingredients or the resultant state? Well, what what process, pushed them to pushed them. to be able to manifest enlightenment? Suffering. Renunciation. Bodhicitta. Recognition of suffering. These are good answers, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Being relaxed. Being relaxed? That's another good one. <laughs> well, let me just give it to you. Well, well, it's, uh, it's open-mindedness. He was very open-minded. He went to teachers, listened to what they had to say, put into practice what they presented, openly, without bias, and, in his, and, he, and he, with his open mind, he said, he looked at the result that these, what, uh, these practices gave him, and he asked himself, is this the result that I wanted? It's, it's not that there was something, uh, the methods were completely wrong, it's not that they were entirely or, or wholesale uh, uh, to be discarded, but there were things in there that were, that were of value. But when he got to where he was asked to get to, he, with his open mind, he looked at it and said, no, I don't think this is what I really want. And why, why is it that, what, what made him say this is not what I was looking for? How did he know that that wasn't what he was looking for? Because he knew what he was looking for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you all know what you're looking for. And you have to stop forgetting what you're looking for. Every once in a while you encounter some very bright, shiny stuff. And you stop. And you might think that, I think this is what I was looking for. If you just say, I think this is what I'm looking for, you didn't find what you're looking for. If you doubt what you have found, if you have any doubts about it, you didn't find what you were looking for. When you find what you are looking for, when you find it, there should be no doubt whatsoever that you have found it. And you are the only one who can come up with that conclusion. Did I find what I was looking for? Uh, and I said, what allowed the Buddha to be able to do that is, it was, it was complete open-mindedness. He was open-minded enough to, I mean, this is like a, almost considered to be sacrilegious. Sacrilegious, yeah. Some being who is some person who a lot of people around that person are calling, oh, that's a holy being. And he's presenting to you what he considers to be the highest thing to be, to be offered. And you're looking at it, you say, mm, no thank you. 
And then the question would be, wait a minute, why are you, why are you saying no? Did you taste what I asked? You tasted? So yeah, I tasted it, but it's not doing it for me. <laughs> okay. So he had the open-mindedness to question that. Anything, any whatever that you encounter that questions your questioning it, you should question it some more. <laughs> okay. What you're looking for, uh, uh, this, this thing should have a sense of freedom about it. If you feel constrained in some way in this, in this result, then maybe it's not what you're uh, really looking for. So even, it doesn't matter if the history concerning what, you are, what has been given to you is said to be, uh, you know, enshrouded in the deepest holiness, holinessness. And then just because it is presented to you that way, and it's also presented to you, you better not question this. Because that will be sacrilegious. That will be disrespectful. That will be the worst kind of action you could ever do. If it really, if it's really that way, don't even, don't look at it. <laughs> I will stay away from it, okay? Because if it is true, I look at this thing and I say, and then by saying, I end up, you know, going to hell for it, I better not look at it. It's not worth it, okay? Uh, what am I getting into with this? <laughs> the system of, uh, of meditation that uh, I'm not sure, I have to say, uh, it's only as uh, it is, it is, it is uh, presented within the Galupa system. I'm, and I'm sort of generalizing that because I didn't, re I didn't really study the meditative meditation system within uh, the other traditions. I mean, there are, they have definitely, there are definite techniques that are, uh, that are specific to uh, specific traditions. But the, the general, um, presentation of what is meditation and how do you get there, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I suspect that it is the same thing throughout, throughout Tibet. And where did the Tibetans get it from? They got it mainly, the system that we know of, uh, the five, there are five habits that is presenting you from seeing the true nature of reality directly. And then you're sort of presented eight therapeutic <coughs> measures to get rid of that habit. Okay. Where, where did this five and this eight come from? Why just five? Why just eight? Why not three? <laughs> Why not five and a half? <laughs> okay. So this particular, this specific method, and also the method that you all probably know of the nine stages of meditation. Does it really take, do, does your mind really go through nine stages to get to what is uh, referred to as med, the state of meditation? Is it less? Is it more? Why nine? Where does this stuff come from anyway? Where did the Tibetans come up with this five, the eight, and the nine stuff? Okay. All that system actually came from Asanga, basically. Through Asanga to Kamashila, through Atisha. But it just goes back to Asanga. Uh, supposedly, I'm daring to, to say <laughs> that 
some things called sutra may not necessarily be sutra. Okay? Supposedly, the sutra, the, 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 the sutra source, the Mahayana, I have to say, the Mahayana sutra source for this system uh, is also, well, you have to remember, Asanga's teacher was Maitreya. And everything that Asanga presented was basically uh, what later on was uh, teaching that he received from uh, Lord Maitreya. You know, the, the Buddha's coming in. When is it coming? <laughs> in the future sometime. Okay. Uh, don't worry, you're not going to see him in your lifetime. <laughs> you might see him, but it will not be the, uh, the appearance okay, that everybody's waiting for. <laughs> so, uh, Asanga got it from Maitreya. And interestingly enough, the sutra, the Mahayana sutra, where, which, which is the only sutra that, that, that sort of gives this kind of a close presentation to this, is a teaching that the Buddha gave to Maitreya. <laughs> it's called the sutra, how did you pronounce it? It's translated? Samadhi Nimachana. King of Concentration. No, not that one. Oh. Actually, the King of Concentration sutra doesn't talk about concentration. It's not a teaching on uh, how to develop concentration. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, the sutra unraveling the true th true thought or true intent. Yeah. Okay, no, look for that. It's a somebody translated into a nice little coffee table book. Okay, <laughs> uh, you can look at it. And in there, some chapter in there where the Buddha is actually teaching Maitreya. Uh, this is how I mean Maitreya. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's funny because you know Maitreya is you know the next Buddha. I mean his his mast his mind can enter. Uh, I, I, I have no idea what that means, but they say it. <laughs> His mind can enter a million concentrations at the same time. I have no idea what that means, but it's poetic to say. <laughs> so here's this guy who was able to enter a million concentrations at a time, and the Buddha is teaching him, teaching him how to enter access, how to enter shine. Shine is like, no, the meditation you need to get to the first meditation. Okay. He's teaching him how to do that. Of course, he's, the Buddha is not teaching him. The Buddha is really teaching the other people around him, and Maitreya is asking the question for those idiots around who. <laughs> sorry. No. <laughs> not idiots. I mean, yeah, these are. I wish I was one of those idiots. <laughs> those incredible beings who were probably were too shy to ask questions. So Maitreya uh, asked the question for them. Okay. So this is the only sutra, as far as Mahayana is concerned, that describes how to develop, how to get your mind into meditation. Within the, all the other Mahayana sutra uh, uh, scripture already takes into consideration that you already know the stuff. All they do is just listen. Or remember, you know, concentration one, concentration two. Or you want to see that? Into the fifth concentration while you're holding that object. Okay? Or visualize this configuration while you're, while you're in that, uh, while in the sixth meditation, okay? And if you have no idea what even the meditation zero is like, so how, how, what are you going to do with that? So this is, I guess this is why Lord Maitreya asked the Buddha to, okay, how do we get to meditation zero? Okay? And the Buddha gave the answer. So these are the only source that, uh, within the Tibetan tradition, as far as I know, uh, that it talks about meditation. And... And this is and why, why I'm telling you, just because Asanga says it, 
Just because it says so in the Samadhi, Samadhi Nimochana Sutra, doesn't mean that you have to buy it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Why did I say it? <laughs> I'm wearing a robe too. <laughs> there, is, is there fire somewhere? <laughs> if you don't have the open mind to even question that, you may not be able to get to where the Buddha got. It is that sense of open-mindedness that will allow you to get to where you want to get to. It says the Buddha said it, you question it. Not only questioning it, did the Buddha, would, the, would the Buddha say that? Did the Buddha really say that? That's one kind of questioning. Even questioning, why did, why did the Buddha say that in the first place? Is it true that uh, what the Buddha is saying? Because if it is true and you have that open-mindedness, you sort of open your mind for the truth to come in. But if you just accept it just because, oh, they told me it's the truth, they got to be the truth. So it's going to stay somewhere out there. It's never going to get inside you. And you're never going to know it for what it truly is. Okay. So, uh, I've said this a, a few times, one of the qualities of the dharma, one of the qualities of that set of instruction that is supposed to take you to true peace, true liberation, whether you call it dharma, whether you call it whatever you want to call it. What makes it dharma is that it, one of its qualities is that it actually encourages you to question it. Okay. If a teaching tells you from the beginning, don't question this, or you can be in trouble, then it's, by just by that itself, it is stopping you from getting to the truth. It's like, it's like asking, you, it's asking you to put a block in your mind. Now, get this, in, get, in, get this in, inside your mind. Yeah. Alright, so, the method, the instruction, the lineage that we'll, we'll be talking about as far as getting back to the basics of meditation will be the system that came from Lord Asanga. And as you're hearing it, as you're, uh, 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 as you're hearing it, as you're trying to understand it, don't let, don't be afraid of your mind questioning it. Okay. Is this true? Is this worthy of listening to? Is this worthy of practicing? Okay. Is this worth putting into practice? Is this in accordance with reality? Don't be afraid to ask, to ask that question. And if your mind, and while you're doing that, and your mind is asking that question, don't think that to be an obstacle. That is not the obstacle that they refer to as doubt. Okay. What they're referring to as, uh, uh, the, the doubt that they're referring to as an obstacle is a state of mind that can't make up its mind. Okay. And uh, if you, uh, some people are, uh, are plagued, uh, really, uh, not plagued, what's that term? Um, some sort of like a disease, have it really bad. Chronic? Chronic doubt. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Some people are really uh, suffer from chronic doubt, and 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 it's not the doubt where you're presented with something and then you're questioning whether or not it is worth it. It is something that if, if it's if it's something that is in accordance with truth, that's not what they refer to as doubt. That kind of doubt is is healthy. It's the kind of doubt where you can't make up your mind. You really find yourself at a uh, what's that? What's that? Indecisiveness. Yeah. 
So what they're really referring to as doubt is indecisiveness. And indecisiveness about anything. Is this virtuous or non-virtuous? Is this non-virtuous or not non-virtuous? <laughs> okay. Is this a system that is going to get me somewhere? Or is this a system that's not going to get me somewhere? And then you find your mind, you find your mind not being able to get to, 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 to the answer. Okay, that's doubt. And this doubt is not really like a, uh, what would you say, uh, you're a bad person, you're an evil person for having that kind of state of mind. It's just a, a, a weakness of the mind. And, and to be aware of that, to be aware of that, that's good. Okay? If you're not aware of it, you're not, not going to be able to do anything about it. Alright, uh, last week I talked about, uh, I sort of made a general assessment of the class, you know, you guys. And I said, sort of give you a general idea of where, where the, generally where people are. Okay. Now it doesn't mean that every single person is in that state. Okay. Some people are beyond that, some people are not quite there yet. And not being there yet, or being, uh, being beyond it, are not reasons for depression, nor reasons for you to be, for you to be uh, overcome with pride. The reason for the for the for that presentation of the general presentation is that you must make a, a, a true assessment of your situation, of your state of mind. Where are you? And you shouldn't you should avoid overestimating, overvaluing, and you should be also avoid undervaluing, underestimating yourself. Neither one of them will help you. Okay. To overdo it, you stop yourself from getting somewhere getting where you need to go to. Mm -hmm. To underdo it, you, you, you prevent yourself from applying the necessary, the, 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 the tools that you already have. Okay. So either one is, is no good. So have a true assessment of where you are. If you're really uh, blank blank, <laughs> I can't say that, sorry. It's my habit. <laughs> if you're really a blank blank, Let it be something that you really saw. Oh, I'm a blank blank. And you should rejoice that you discovered that you're a blank blank. Okay, now that I'm a blank blank, okay, I, uh, these are the things that are good about it, these are the things that are not good about it. Now, this is what, now I know what to do to move on. Okay, it doesn't matter where you are. Making a true assessment of where you are allows you to, move, to get to your next, to, get to help you get to where you need to go to. Don't say, I'm, oh, I'm a blank blank, I can't do this. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, blank blank. There's nobody worse than me. And, and <laughs> a lot of times I, uh, I tell people, if, you really, if this is where you really are and you, and you see it, that's great that you can see it. Now, what do you do from, the, from now on? Okay, just move on. If it's something that's awful, what are the causes for it? Stay away from them. If it's something that's great, ah, what are the causes for it? Go get them. Get some more. That's it. And move on. Joy is a necessity for the path. Okay. You can discover that you're blank blank 
and still have a joy in your mind. Not, not being joyful that you're blank, blank. <laughs> but be, stay joy, because you need that joy to be able to get yourself out of that, out of that state. Depression is not going to be helpful to you at all. Okay. All right. Uh, so make a true assessment of where you are, what your state of mind is. Okay. Uh, like when you try to meditate, for uh, for example, no matter what the no matter, oh, can you visualize at all? Or can, can I cannot visualize. I need to visualize. Okay. I cannot visualize. Okay. What are the? Is it important for me to visualize? Okay. What are the steps I need to do so I can start visualizing? And then start working from there. Don't say, oh, I can visualize. Oh, it's so important. I can't do tantra. That's not going to help. Oh, you see, look at that. I can visualize. Okay, what do I need to do to, to visualize? Okay, come on. Where are they? Where are, they? Where are the steps? Okay. Okay. Be joyful no matter, no matter where you are on the path. Okay. That's why, in the very beginning, the preliminaries are really trying to get you to a state of joy. Okay? You cannot be in a state of depression and then expect your mind to see the true nature of reality with a mind of depression. You can't. So far, I've not heard of anyone who's done it. Okay? And mm, I have to address that one because some of you might be in a... You're, remember what I said last time about feeling sad, feeling uh, a sense of uh, empathy for someone who's suffering. That is not the result of, of a bad karma. That is a result of good karma. Okay? So, once and for all, take it out of your mind. Okay? Feeling bad because you've seen someone else suffering is a great thing. Okay? It's not the result of bad karma. Alright? Now, that you, when you, if you experience that, if you see yourself that, say, ah, my mind feels, ah, okay. That's where I am. <laughs> okay. And think your, 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 what, what's, what's, the, what's the word they use now? Your past life. What the, what's that guy called again? Um, your past life. Joe. Joe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Josette. <laughs> Josephine. Josephine, oh sorry, Josephine. <laughs> Thank Joe or Josephine for having done the good job that allows you to be able to do this. Okay? To, uh, to, to, for it to be natural. Okay? Because it's a, good, it's a great achievement. Alright. Um, seems like I'm babbling. Is there, is there a thread to what I'm doing? Or is it just a bunch of clip, clippings? <laughs> okay. So, uh, these five things and these eight things, think of them as habits that you already have. Don't think of them as things to, to give you depression. Okay? Some of us have them, one of them uh, uh, stronger than others. For some people, attachment might be stronger than, than aversion. For some others... Uh, uh, forgetfulness might be stronger than uh, doubt, okay? So, because yours is stronger or because yours is lighter, you just say, oh, this is where it is. Okay, what do I do? What do I do from, from now on? Okay? If you cannot make a true assessment, you cannot move. Okay? 
And don't concern yourself too much about, I got a, the sense of, uh, uh, there's a good sense of I'm wasting time, but also there's a dysfunctional sense of I'm wasting time. One, the, the, the functional sense of I'm wasting time actually make you not waste time. The other one just make you make, waste more time. Okay. So if you, if, you, if you say, okay, I can't quite see, I, I can't quite have a true appreciation of where I am, and you need to just stop and look and to see where you are, and you think, I'm, I don't think that that itself is wasting time. Okay. Because if you, if you jump ahead and start doing those fantastic meditations, supposedly fantastic meditations, you're not, you're not going to be able to get anywhere with them. Okay. Right. Here's a summary of the path. <laughs> Control your mind, see emptiness directly. Okay, you can go home now. <laughs> That's it. Okay, um, any, any more questions? <laughs> okay. And how do you control your mind? Theravada has like you know, a few thousand ways of doing that. Mahayana has a few million. Vajana has a few unlimited. <laughs> okay. It's all ways of control your mind. Okay? And, if, and this is why I mentioned about uh, have an open mind and be, uh, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to, to, to question it. Okay? If somebody presents to you, say, this is the greatest meditation ever, this is going to bring you, da 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 and then you look at it and you try it and it doesn't take you anywhere, don't think that you're, you know, something's wrong with you. It's just, among the million things that's, that's supposed to work for, for some people, this is not the one for you. Hmm. Remember, control your mind. That's the whole point of them. Okay? Some people need elaborate uh, uh, environment to make them think that they're doing something great. Because they need to think that they're doing something great in order to control their mind. Okay. You're about to enter something that only two or three people know, even though there's a thousand people here take, uh, hearing it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> because each one of those thousand people need to feel that, oh, I'm special. And then when they have when they have developed that state of mind, I'm special, then the mind is ready now to, do, to, to, be, to be, so that they can discipline it, so that they can control it. And why do you need to control your mind so you can see the nature of reality correctly? Why don't you just go and see it? You know why? <laughs> it's so obvious. No, I'm not saying my answer is so obvious. I'm saying that's the, that's all, the whole point of it. The true nature of reality is so obvious, and we so we, we go. That's why they keep using the word elaboration. We keep elaborating, and it's so simple, so obvious that we keep elaborating. So we have to get an elaborate method to see it. I wonder if every single aria kicks himself in the butt when <laughs> ah. This is it all this time? <laughs> Countless eons suffering. And this is it? <laughs> That's all I had to see? 
So if you keep it simple, keep it simple, okay? Even if you're doing something elaborate, keep it simple. Because what you're looking for is simple. It needs a simple mind. Alright. Uh, since uh, Warren introduced Buddha Shakyamuni in a very beautiful way, uh, within the Gelopa, one of, uh, if you're still looking for an object to meditate on to help you get to control your mind, okay, he's an elaborate object. Uh, the image of Shakyamuni Buddha. And the image of Shakyamuni Buddha is really for those who have the, uh, what you call a devotional propensities. Okay? For them, for somebody who has devotional propensity, it's easier for them to hold an object that they can have devotion for. And it could be, and, and it doesn't matter if, uh, if, if you feel Shakyamuni Buddha is your teacher directly teaching you, or if you have somebody named Joe who's teaching you, when you're doing the meditation on visualizing Shakyamuni Buddha, you keep saying, you don't just say, this is you don't just say, this is some other guy. You say, this is the one who's teaching me. And he's now he's taking this form so I can help me control my mind. Okay. And, you're, and there are f different phases that you will go through when you, when you pick an object that you're, uh, you're visualizing. Uh, the first stage that you enter is to recreate this image in your mind. Um, if you want the real answer, <laughs> what really works, I'm going to tell it to you right now. The same way you see images in your dream. If it doesn't feel and look like the way images appear in your dreams, you're not really in the first stage. Like I said before, for my general assessment, you're not little kids. You don't need to be. You don't need to be. You know, uh, told. You don't need to be given toys so that you can feel that you are playing, that you're really doing meditation. Now you really do meditation. You know what suffering is like, okay? And you really want to get away from it. You really see others suffering. Your loved ones are suffering, and you really want to help them, okay? Now let's really get to that place. The first is going to take some. Actually, it takes longer to get to stage one than to get to stage the rest of the stages. As soon as you get to stage one, everything else becomes easier. Then you will definitely find yourself arriving at stage nine and stage ten. Oh, did they tell you? Oh, they didn't tell you, right? They keep saying nine, right? It's actually ten. <laughs> the tenth stage is the actual meditation. <laughs> the actual meditation stage. The ninth stage is you're just about to get there. Okay. And you and you find yourself questioning, did I reach the first stage? Am I the, what stage am I? Am I the third stage? I, I remember the first time that we even heard about this these nine stages, me and my friends when we were studying this, and we were questioning. I don't know, where am I? Am I at the second or the third? <laughs> we just learned this stuff. We haven't done anything yet. Already we're, we're asking ourselves, which stage are we? It's just our ego, you know, trying to take over the, the instruction. If you're at stage zero, and that's where you really are, that's great. You know where you are. Then you can move ahead. But if you think you're at stage five, and you're not even at stage zero yet, no matter what you do, 
it won't even get you to stage zero. You can get stuck at nowhere. Okay? So if you're at stage zero and you know that's where you are, could pat yourself in the back. You've done a great job. <laughs> okay. So real stage one is when you recreate the image exactly the way you see it, the way your mind creates image for you in your dreams. It must have, it must have that same level of realness to it, same level of vividness to it. Okay? Now, it may not necessarily be that you see every, like if you're seeing, uh, uh, looking at the whole, uh, the image of the Buddha, for example. It doesn't necessarily mean that you see every single detail of the Buddha's image all at once for you to be in the first stage. But something must appear to you as vividly as an image appears to you in your dream. If all you see is the eyeball, you don't see anything else, but the eyeball appears in such a way, in such, to you in such a way that you say, oh, look at that eyeball. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Okay? If you're not able to do that with that image, and, you, and then I, I would prefer to call it, make a distinction between imagining that you're doing it and then visualizing it. I make a distinction between imagining and visual, visualizing. Visualizing must have the same, uh, last time I'm going to say it, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to repeat stuff. <laughs> Visualization is supposed to have the same level of clarity or the same level of engagement the same way an image appears to you in your dream. That's the first stage. And once you've done that, your mind will be so happy that happiness will propel you to go to second stage, third stage, fourth stage, uh, until you get to tenth stage. Then you're ready to meditate. <laughs> no, I mean you. <laughs> you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, there's no description here. Find a nice image of the Buddha and then stare at it for a while. It's best to stare at it under sunlight. For some reason, looking at an image under sunlight uh, makes a, a stronger imprint for you to recall it. Okay. I don't mean necessarily to have the sun, you know, go outside and under the sun. You know, the room should be suffused with sunlight. Okay. Uh, this kind of light, for some reason, doesn't do the same. Doesn't do the same job. For some reason, I don't know why. But sunlight really helps. So stare at it. Okay. Stare at it for a while, examining it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. Okay. And if you have, and if you have the propensity of devotion, then your devotion will take over and apply the energy you need to help you to recreate that image in your mind. Alright, so I told you, I told you how it's supposed to be. Okay? Not the stage of you think you're doing it. Okay? I, and some, so if, if you are able to describe all the details, it doesn't mean that you're visualizing it. There should be a sense of, of disengagement. Disengagement? Like your mind is not actively doing it. It's like, it's there, and you don't feel your mind creating it. Okay? All right. Oh, good. It's uh, way past the hour. <laughs> no, I don't want to shock you, and all of a sudden, no, end on time. Or something. <laughs>
because it's, you're not used to that. <laughs> okay? So, for those of you who have N and, uh, it doesn't matter, uh, no, no, it shouldn't begin, it doesn't matter. Visualize, when you're visualizing Shatanya Buddha, keep thinking it's your teacher. Think in that form. Okay? And if you're at the stage where you see absolutely nothing, you say, oh, look at that. I'm not the same where I actually see nothing. <laughs> All right, let's go. So if you can vividly recall the state where Warren brought us into, that will help you get a taste of it again. Those of you who already have an object that you're supposed to be visualizing, you can work with that. And here's a trick. Uh, pretending sometimes help. What would it be like if I was really seeing it? of recreating the image of Shakyamuni, Buddha Shakyamuni is not to recreate the image of Shak Buddha Shakyamuni. It is to enter a meditative state. So don't forget the mindfulness watching that what the quiet, the quietude or the bliss that you are cultivating. Keep your mind on it also.
to keep your mind in just that sense of tranquility where you are right now. Forget the meditation, forget the object that you were working with. Just make that state of mind, that tranquility, what you are now observing. Look at it, see how it is lacking stress, how it is lacking striving for happiness. If you can give this state to those who are tormented by stress, tormented by constantly incapable of stopping themselves from looking, that would be such a great gift. to confuse you, the nature of reality being such, if you can give a cup, you can give the state. So let your heart embrace all those who are in need of this state, who are experiencing confusion, delusion, disturbances, causing them to harm themselves and others. Give to them the state of mind. And if you can't think of a way how you can give the state of mind, just make the wish. state of mind without concern to what you will end up with, without concern whether or not you will end up with a chaotic mind and they will be at peace. And if you're still willing to do this, wow, what a great being you are. visualization where you see the state is emanating from you like light and reaching out to those who need it. 
you had just even one second of compassion, that is monumental. You have a treasure that is cannot be valued, that is beyond any value. Dedicate this great treasure to the achievement of your ultimate goal. back to the breath. Through your awareness of the breath, become aware of the body once more. Deliberately take your awareness to the top of your head and continue to deliberately be aware of the rest of your body until you're aware of your whole body from the top of your head to your toes. be the next woman, okay? <laughs> right, uh, I won't be here next weekend, by the way. So we won't, we will have this, continue meet here, keep the momentum going. I won't be here in body. <laughs> but I'll be here in spirit. <laughs> and I'll return the following uh, weekend. Thank you very much.